Our first reading is from 1 Corinthians 12, starting to read at verse 24 and a half, if that makes sense. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And if you can, can you stand for the gospel, which is Matthew 22. And we're starting to read at verse 34, the greatest commandment. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I'd uh, like to open with a prayer, if I may. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity to speak here this morning. I pray you bless us with the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you give me the words, your words to say, and your messages heard here in this place. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, we'll start with a bit of interaction, if I may. Um, Mike, how are you doing? Sorry, <laughs> bad timing there with the mouthful of tea. Taking a mouthful of coffee. Good stuff. Lizzie, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for asking. I'm really glad you asked. I, I so appreciate you asking like that. It's not great. I found out this week I'm at risk of redundancy in work. Which is not good. And, and the thing is, when I'm in work, um, I don't really talk to many people. Um, so I sit and eat lunch on my own. And so it's a bit, a bit lonely in work. And because I work in computers, I'm hunched over my desk all day. So I've got really bad back pain. And because I've got the back pain, um, I should go to the doctors. But because of the redundancy, I don't think I can leave work and stuff. And I get home, and kids are all over me. It's just crazy. It's running around everywhere. And they, they, they're so expensive, children. And the thing is, because we've, you know, the redundancy thing, we're running out of money, and I'm really, really struggling. Really struggling. Absolutely. Now, that's not the situation. Just rest assured. Sorry, this is my mother-in-law. I'm, that's not what's <laughs> happening, didn't okay? Please just take that as an example of asking someone how they're doing, because it will come, it'll be more apparent later on, but I just wanted to show that sort of interaction. So, um, we are at week two of the introduction to the pastoral care structure at St. Elphage and also the introduction of the pastoral oversight team. Now, as, uh, as Chris said, we're not launching this at present. Uh, there's still a few things to finalize, but when it's complete, there'll be an official announcement um, and uh, there'll be a central means of contact and this will all be published and everyone will be aware of that. It's an initiative being driven by the church in response to a strong concern that was raised at last year's annual general meeting. Um, and the concern was that the pastoral care needs of the church weren't being met fully. A feeling that there were members of the church community 
who were struggling uh, and were being missed and not getting the help they needed. And it was also said that there were people helping, but they were overwhelmed um, with the amount of care they were given. Um, I say it seemed that there were people um, there. I mean, it's, um, there's a lot more people actually doing pastoral care in the church already, um, but they just get on with it quietly. They don't report in. Uh, they don't say who they're helping. It just gets done unnoticed. Uh, it's just people who've got a heart for people and they're caring. But when I was preparing this talk, I wanted to understand what pastoral care actually means. So when you hear the term pastoral care, what does it mean to you? Anybody want to offer up a suggestion of what pastoral care is? Loving thy neighbor, absolutely. Listening. So what was that, Paul? Emotional support. Coming alongside people, absolutely brilliant. So these are, these are all the ideas everyone's got. I decided to consult the font of all knowledge, Wikipedia, to find out what they said about this, okay? And I, but I, I looked in a few places. I love the definition Wikipedia gives. And it says, pastoral care is a postmodern term for an ancient model of emotional, social, and spiritual support that can be found in all cultures and traditions. I love the definition. It gives three key areas that I feel we should be considering when we explore the two passages we heard today. And that will hopefully help to explain what Paul and Jesus were saying. The first area is emotional support. Considering people's feelings. People can be sad, upset, angry, frustrated, hurt, happy, any one of a million different emotions. If people don't want to feel like that, then pastoral care can help to remedy those unwanted feelings. The second area is in social support. Coming alongside somebody. Spending time with them. Listening to them. Now, in every church I've been to, or been a member of, I mean, that's only two, but it still counts, um, there's people who attend every Sunday and still feel like they're isolated or they're on the fringe. You know, they might sneak in at the back and sneak out and not talk to anybody. Or they might actually come in and say hello to lots of people, but they still feel isolated, not part of something. And that's the sort of social support aspect. The final and probably I say the most important area is in spiritual support. Praying for somebody, offering to pray with people, texting encouraging Bible messages, all of that is ways that we can support people spiritually. Now, this is a massive simplification of a huge subject of pastoral care. But those three points are intended to start us thinking as a church. And thinking as the church that Jesus intended when he was fending off the Pharisees in that passage in Matthew. So Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And we see this echoed completely throughout the Bible. Uh, also in Matthew, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. In Colossians, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Way back in Exodus, you shall have no other gods before me. So God comes first. But then Jesus highlights the second most important commandment to be, love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says that the two most important commandments are love God and then love one another. Something that sounds really simple in practice, but it can be very challenging because we're all different. We've talked about this before. We all have different likes, dislikes, ways of doing and saying things. Some things may resonate with other people. Other people maybe not so much. 
But we as Christians, we all have love in our hearts. All of us have love in our hearts. In First um, John 4, it says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. We know God loves us unconditionally without us having to earn it. All we have to do is follow the rules, and even if we break the rules, confess and repent that God loves us all the same. God has given us love in our hearts, and it's a gift from him. But with any gift from God, we need to use it. Imagine if you gave someone a present, and you think it's really going to change their lives. Um, But each time you go and visit them, it's still in the box, unused. There's no way that person with the present will ever get the benefit from it. If they don't use it, investigate it, work with it, maybe get, get better at whatever it is. I'd be quite disappointed myself if they didn't pick it up and have a go and instead left it on the hypothetical shelf somewhere. And in fact, Jesus tells us specifically to use that love. In the passage, he tells us to use it to love God and then love your neighbor. So, how can we do it? How can we love our neighbor? And just to be clear, Our neighbor is not just the people in church. In Luke 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus makes it abundantly clear to the law expert that your neighbor can be someone outside of the church and indeed outside of our own faith. But you can still help them. So, how can we love our neighbor? We can ask them how they're doing. Now, at the start today, I asked Mike and Lizzie how they were doing. And normally you get a, you know, especially on a Sunday morning, you get that sort of, yeah, doing okay, thanks. Not bad, mustn't grumble, that sort of response. That's pretty much all you get on a Sunday morning. You get a little bit more time in a connect group, which is smaller and a little bit more private and intimate. And you're with people who you've probably shared more time with, they've shared their experiences, and it's a little bit easier to talk about stuff. But when you ask someone how they're doing, you might find that person hasn't been asked how they're doing for ages. No one's been up to them and asked them that. So when you do ask them, the floodgates might open. And that's exactly the example that happened earlier on. So what do we do with that? And in exploring that, what I'd do is like to go back to the definition of pastoral care, the emotional, social, and spiritual support. So the emotional support, we can listen to people. We can empathize with them. Get them a cup of tea and sit down with them and listen to what they've got to say. Now, there could be tears, there could be anger, there could be frustration, loads of emotions. But sometimes, knowing you've got someone to talk to can completely diffuse that situation. Knowing you have somewhere to go can make all the difference. And it's one of the reasons why the church is setting up the pastoral oversight team. People will then know there is somewhere they can go in the church where there's, similar, there's people who care and want to help. There's the social support side of things as well. If the person has a physical need, either a disability or an injury or just not able to do something around their house, then talking through the problem can help. It can sometimes generate a new solution and maybe ideas of a way forward. But if not, the pastoral oversight team is there to help. It can work as a hub. And if the need is brought to the attention of that team, there's a network of willing volunteers and a wide range of skills throughout the church that can help out. Now, that social need may be for a bit of company, a few times a week, um, even though the person, sorry, a bit of company for a few times a week, and even though the person in need may not have friends who are available during the week to meet them, and that's when they need them most. The pastoral 
team, oversight team, will try and find those people, find people who are able to help. And if you start helping someone and you realize that it's going to be a long-term thing, which can happen, you're probably going to need other people to help you fill that need. Again, the pastoral oversight team can help to ensure the person you're caring for gets all the support they want need. And the last thing is spiritual support. Now, we have prayer at the cross every Sunday, and I often see groups of two or three people gathered around the room praying, which is absolutely brilliant to see. That's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. But if you have something that needs prayer and you're not confident to tell someone about it on a Sunday morning, you're not confident to go up to the front, what do you do? Again, the pastoral oversight team is there to help you. You can get in touch with them in the week, in confidence, and explain what the situation is. And, that, and someone will come alongside you and help you in that. Um, just a little side note about prayer at the cross there. Um, every week, I hear whoever's leading the service, and they always say there's prayer at the cross over there. And I always think, you know what? I'm not doing too bad, and there's, there's lots of other people who need prayer more than me. Uh, so I'm not going to take up their time. I'll just, just let the other people go up there. Now, I served on the, uh, the healing ministry team for a season there, and yet sometimes we were very busy in the morning. Um, other times, it was quite quiet, and very few people came up. Now, I absolutely understand it takes courage to step up and ask for help, but remember, Jesus loves you and wants to hear from you. His love and his help is unconditional. Famous Bible passage, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. God loves you. Now, don't worry if you go up for prayer for the same thing on a number of weeks as well. Seriously, you could not get enough prayer in your life. And the team at the cross would love to support you, whatever the situation is. And even if everything is going swimmingly in your life, then go up and give thanks for the team. It would be brilliant. Now, many people are already doing... Um, one or all three of those elements of pastoral care, the emotional, the um, social support, that, those things, yeah? There's many folk who pray regularly for friends. Uh, they visit people who are lonely, cook meals for those unable to. Um, when someone has a baby, there's an instant rotor drawn up for at least two weeks of meals, and that's the church getting behind someone. So that family can concentrate on their newborn and rather than having to do with a deal with the daily chores. But sometimes the people who are doing the caring end up being in need of support too. Sometimes the person you're caring for gets dependent on you and, um, and, on, and they're dependent on your giving nature. So when you have to return to your own life and your own family, that relationship suffers and that person may suffer as well. Maybe the, the reason the person you're caring for is suffering from something uh, you feel you can't deal with and it's too sad for you or it's something you've got no experience with or you're just overwhelmed with it all. Again, this is where the pastoral oversight team is there to help. With the person's permission you're caring for, you can explain the situation to the team. And they can give you the help and support you need or tag someone else in to help out and, and ease what you're, you're trying to do there. So remember back to the Corinthians passage, God's vision for how the church is supposed to be. Its part should have equal concern for each other. And so we should care about other people, but we should also be cared for back. God says to love your neighbor, but it says that all of us should do it, and not just a few of us. And just to be clear, the pastoral oversight team um, is a central hub for caring. They'll listen to people's needs, but they're not the people who are most often doing the actual caring. They will look for others in the church who can help out with that, rather than actually being the people 
doing the praying praying themselves. So step out in faith and obedience and ask someone how they really are. Listen to your heart. And when Jesus gives you a nudge to come alongside someone, go and do it. But safe in the knowledge that if you do, you've got the pastoral oversight team of the church that can help you and help that other person. If you're in need, know that God loves you. He wants to help you. And he wants his church to help you. So if no one's come forward to talk to you so far, then you can speak to Becky or Beth, Paulette, or the ministry team um, at the cross. Come forward and make that need known. As it said in the reading today, if one part suffers, then every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of that. Thanks be to God.